loving Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name, O Lord, for giving us the privilege of life. Lord, we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask that you will grant to us power from above, for we need strength. We pray, Father, please grant to us manna that we may be fed and that through the words we will hear today, we shall be strengthened, edified, helped to live the life that you want us to live. We have a holy purpose to fulfill on this earth that we may be among those who it shall be said of them, here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus and we want that to be a reality in our lives. Therefore, we bring ourselves to you. Based on the promises made in your word, we ask, fulfill this word, O Lord. Take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. We pray that the words we will hear now will be spirit and life unto us. Please put your words in my mouth for that purpose, that your children may all be fed, that they may be blessed, that it may be as water to the thirsty soul. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, May 4 Before the Baby Comes Teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Judges chapter 13 verse 8 God himself appeared to the wife of Manoah and told her that she should have a son and that he should be a great man and should deliver Israel. Then he gave her special instructions regarding her diet. Let us regard this as instruction given to every mother in our world. If you want your children to have well-balanced minds, you must be temperate yourselves. Keep your own heart and affections sound and healthful, that you may impart to your offspring a healthful mind and body. Every mother may understand her duty. She may know that the character of her children will depend vastly more upon her habits before their birth and her personal efforts after their birth than upon external advantages or disadvantages. The mother who is a fit teacher for her children must, before their birth, form habits of self-denial and self-control, for she transmits to them her own qualities, her own strong or weak traits of character. Unwise advisers will urge upon the mother the necessity of gratifying every wish and impulse, but such teaching is false and mischievous. The mother is by the command of God himself placed under the most solemn obligation to exercise self-control, and fathers as well as mothers are involved in this responsibility. Both parents transmit their own characteristics, mental and physical, their dispositions and appetites to their children. Many make the subject of temperance a matter of jest. They claim that the Lord does not concern himself with such minor matters as our eating and drinking. But if the Lord had no care for these things, he would not have revealed himself to the wife of Manoah, giving her definite instructions and twice enjoining upon her to beware lest she re 
she disregard them. The effect of prenatal influences is by many parents looked upon as a matter of little moment, but heaven does not, does not so regard it. In the words spoken to the Hebrew mother, God speaks to all mothers in every age. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Before the Baby Comes. We have been looking at the stories from the Word of God which we have been told to do because they were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We are to repeat the lessons that we learned that are good and avoid the mistakes of those who made them so that we can have our lives fulfilling the will of God. Israel was delivered through Gideon from the hands of the Midianites. But not long after that, after the death of Gideon, there were other judges who came and helped them like Jer and some others. But there was a time when they apostatized again and the Lord raised Jephthah. Jephthah delivered them once again from their enemies. Then after the death of Jephthah, they went back into apostasy and this time it was terrible. In the days of Jephthah, it was already bad, so bad that the Lord appeared to them and said to them, since you have done this evil, I will not again deliver you. But then God had mercy on them and through Jephthah, the Lord delivered them from the hands of their enemies. But this time after they apostatized, the Lord gave them to the hands of of the Philistines. This oppression was actually a sore one. Reading from the book of Judges 13 verse 1, God now had a plan on how to deliver them because they were oppressed by the Philistines. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. Now pause. This is like the longest time they were under their enemies. Forty years before in the days of uh, people like Barak and Deborah and Jephthah and Gideon, it wasn't up to 40 years. You hear things like 8 years and even some fewer, some a bit more. But this one was that bad. 40 years. Verse 2 says, And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So here is the Lord coming to give Manoah's wife insight on how to train her child to be a child to fulfill a wonderful, holy, solemn, sacred task. And the instruction is given on how to take care of the child so that that child will be prepared for that purpose. The Lord is in the business of training children also. And we should not expect that miracles will be done to this end. It is the same word of God that tells us train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. God is not going to do a miracle on any child to make them righteous or good and prepared for a sacred work. 
it is in the hands of parents to bring up their child for that purpose. Do you remember the story of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam? Their mother and their father, Amram and Jochebed, they knew that the time had come for the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And in accordance with that promise and with that knowledge, they trained their children up in the knowledge of God. Not just Moses, but even Miriam and Aaron were trained in that direction. If we recall, we learned that they trained Moses to hate idolatry. They trained him to hate worldliness and they trained him to love prayer and to love devotion and the things of God. That was part of the training that he received. We cannot expect that children are going to be good when we have not taught them to be good. We have seen this when we were looking at Aaron's uh, unwise parenting, which we saw a devotion that was uh, titled Misplaced Love in April 4th, where we looked at parenting, how it should be done. Now, today we are going to be looking at other parts of parenting that we didn't look at that time. Here is straight information, inside information from the Lord that if you neglect, it will be very arrogant of you to think that you know better than God. Now we are going to be looking at prenatal influences. How do you? How do we make a child, make, making them the last generation? You see, the Bible talks about a people who are going to do a great work in our time, just like Samson did a great work in his time. And the Lord gave instructions on how to make your child that child that will be prepared to do the great work for the Lord. When he gave this instruction to Manoah's wife, he said to her, I pray thee, listen to me and do what I say. And she told her husband, and her husband prayed in Judges chapter 13, reading from verse 8, it says, Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me, that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that speakest unto my wife? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the rest of the story is that the angel did something. That made him know that this was God that spoke to them. It was not just any angel. His mind felt it was an angel. And when the man disappeared from their presence after blessing the food, Manoah said, Oh, God was with me here. Well, he was blessed. How many of us as parents ever ask that question? You know, many parents just go into, I want to have a child for many reasons. And we need to be careful. We are talking about people's lives here. Before we bring lives into this world that they did not ask you, remember, the child didn't ask to be born. And before you bring in a child who never asked your permission, who never requested that they be brought to this world, 
before you bring that child into this world, you must ask the owner of that child because you are not the owner. God is the owner of the child. And like Manoah, we should ask the Lord, what shall we do unto the child and how shall we do unto him? And the same answer will be given. It's not going to be a different answer. What the Lord said to Manoah's wife and to Manoah himself, he's saying to us today, do not let the child eat any unclean thing. Do not give them alcohol and also that we should take care of the child in the way of the Lord. Basically, that's what he was being told. You see, like we read in the devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 130, paragraph 2, God himself appeared to, to the wife of Manoah and told her that she should have a son and that he should be a great man and should deliver Israel. Today, the Lord is preparing the people for this same purpose. Revelation 7 tells us the work that the Lord is doing today, a work of sealing. Revelation 7 verse 1 to verse 4 says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Now, Revelation 14 verse 12 tells us the characteristics of these people that are sealed. Because when you read from Revelation 14 verse 1, we are told about this 144,000. Revelation 7 verse 4 tells us that the people who are sealed are 144,000. In Revelation 14 verse 1, we are told that these 144,000 have a message, the three angels' messages. The third angel's message, when it is done, we are told that it will develop a people these people are those that are sealed and their description is thus. it says here is the patience of the saints here are they that keep the commandments of god and have the faith of jesus how can we develop these people that is described as those that keep the commandments of god and have the faith of jesus what instruction are we to follow well by and large part of the instruction we are supposed to follow is what god told to manoah and his wife as God appeared to Manoah and his wife to give them instructions concerning their personal conduct before, during and after pregnancy, so has the Lord today given us instruction for the same purpose. Prenatal influences of a child are very, very important as they go a long way in determining the character and eternal destiny of a child. But what we are going to study now is prenatal influences and just a bit of the influences after the baby is born but mostly the effect of the mother's conduct while she's pregnant on the child and even before but mostly while she's pregnant on determining the character of a child so what do we know concerning the child and mother's relationship while the baby is still in the womb the baby is connected to the mother and receives blood from the mother via the umbilical cord connected to the placenta of the woman. This placenta is made up of about three blood vessels, two arteries and one vein, through which materials pass from the mother to the child and from the child to the mother. The placenta is known to perform at least five functions for the baby. They are nutritional function, respiratory, excretory, immune and endocrine functions. So let's look a bit at all of them, majorly focusing on the nutritional function but let's start with the respiratory first is in the respiratory function since the baby cannot breathe through its nostrils the placenta does the respiratory function for the baby the vein 
takes oxygenated blood from the mother to the child from the placenta and the arteries takes away deoxygenated blood from the baby back to the mother. You see, this lays a responsibility on the mother to breathe in good and fresh air because the air she breathes is the same that the baby breathes. If a mother is smoking, for example, she is inhaling that smoke and you know that it affects her own mind. What do you think will happen to the mind of the child? It will also affect the mind of the child. If the mother is not smoking but is in the place where people are smoking, the same thing affects the child. And how does it affect the child? As smoking affects the mind, the character of the mother, it will also affect the character of the child. Then there's the immune function. The antibodies that the mother has created based on the diseases and infections she may have had transmits from the mother to the child, which is a good thing. So the micronutrients also passing from the mother to the child helps to create immunity against many diseases for the child. So that's just natural. That's what's happening. But, but like I said, majorly what we're going to look at is the nutritional function. Through the veins, nutrients pass from the mother to the baby. A baby's aversion and preferences to food begin in the womb based on the mother's diet. Her child may or may not be able to taste since the food doesn't get, it, get to the child's tongue. That's the baby's tongue. But studies clearly show that flavored molecules pass from the placenta to the child and this helps to influence what the baby likes and what the baby doesn't like as, it, as, as far as food goes. You see, this aversion of preference to certain foods continues to build up in the child even after the child is born because the same flavored molecules are still in the mother's breast milk. It's, some, it's kind of like honey, you know. The taste of honey is largely dependent on the source of the nectar of the bee. Just as the taste of the mother's breast milk is dependent on what food the mother has been eating. So if you want your child to be accustomed to like the right kind of food, then the mother has to eat the right kind of food because that's what the child will be used to. Reading from Historical Sketches, page 209, paragraph 1, it says, And fathers as well as mothers are included in this responsibility. Both parents transmit their own characteristics, mental and physical, their dispositions and appetites to their children. As the result of parental intemperance, the children often lack physical strength and mental and moral power. Liquor drinkers and tobacco lovers hand down their own insatiable craving. Their inflamed blood and irritated nerves as a legacy to their offspring. And as children have less power to resist temptation than had the parents, each generation falls lower than the preceding. The inquiry of every father and mother should be, what shall we do unto the child that shall be born unto us? Many are inclined to treat this subject lightly, but the fact that an angel of heaven was sent to those Hebrew parents with instruction twice given in the most explicit and solemn manner shows that God regards it as one of great importance. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah foretelling the birth of John the Baptist, this was the message which he brought. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. God had an important work for the promised child of Zechariah to do, a work that required active thought and vigorous action. 
he must have a sound physical constitution and mental and moral strength. And it was to secure for him these necessary qualifications that his habits were to be carefully regulated even from infancy. The first steps in intemperance are often taken in childhood and early youth. Therefore, most earnest efforts should be directed towards enlightening parents as to their responsibility. Those who place wine and beer upon their tables are cultivating in their children an appetite for strong drink. We urge that the principles of temperance be carried into all the details of home life, that the example of parents be a lesson of temperance, that self-denial and self-control be taught to the children and enforced upon them so far as possible even from babyhood." End of quote. So one point we pick from what I just read now is that parents, both fathers and mothers, transmit their own appetites to their children. But even more than that, the father may have an appetite, the mother also, you are transmitting that to the child already. But more than that, whatever the mother is doing while pregnant for the child, whatever food she is eating, that child is also eating. They don't have a choice. So that means for nine months, the child is already building an appetite for himself, his taste buds, his likes and dislikes as far as food goes, is already being built. So if you, a mother is taking alcohol or tobacco for example, the child is already going to be getting the taste of alcohol like we already said, flavored foods, the, the child is taking it in. So the child is developing a tendency to love alcohol already. But if the mother is taking fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds of various kinds, the child is already getting accustomed to it. And when the child is born, they would already have a preference towards those kind of foods. And those are the nutritious foods, by the way. So it's important that the mother, while she's pregnant, eat the right kind of food. Reading Councils on Diets and Food, page 220, paragraph 4, it says, The blood-making organs cannot convert spices mean spies, pickles, and diseased flesh meats into good blood. And if so much food is taken into the stomach that the digestive organs are compelled to overwork in order to dispose of it and to free the system from irritating substances, the mother does injustice to herself and lays the foundation of disease in her offspring. If she chooses to eat as she pleases and what she may fancy, irrespective of consequences, she will bear the penalty, but not alone. Her innocent child must suffer because of her indiscretion." End of quote. So we are to, as a mother is supposed to select the best kind of food, both for herself and for the child. Studies have already shown that when mother, that, it, that generally for everybody, a plant-based diet is the best. Or just as what um, the angel told Manoah follow you know what the angel told Manoah is important the child was they were the mother was supposed to avoid unclean foods what consists of food that is unclean first of all in the book of Leviticus 17 reading from verse 10 and verse 11 God said that nobody should eat any manner of blood of any manner of animal that it is not good that it is unclean even in the book of of um, First Corinthians three, reading from verse sixteen, seventeen, we are told that we should not defile our bodies. And what is it that defiles? That's the things that are unclean. It's not just any thing that we are to eat. Today, many of the things that we have called flesh food is 
a lot of diseases are contained in them but if it were only diseases then that would have just been the half of the trouble the only if that was all one may even say oh it's already a great problem but then it's worse than that the animal based diet fosters animalistic characters in people then the mother at this time is to eat foods that are nutritious so that the child will already be forming a good blood in themselves because the blood is where the character is like god says the blood is the life of the animal the dna the genes is contained in that blood if she is eating things that forms good blood which is like i said the fruits the vegetables the nuts the seeds which they don't have in them cancerous humors and also having diseases of all kinds of bacteria and all of that like we find in the flesh meats they don't have that there so the mother will be transmitting good blood to the child reading from councils on diets and foods page 219 down to 220 says it is an error generally committed to make no difference in the life of a woman previous to the birth of her children. At this important period, the labor of the mother should be lightened. Great changes are going on in her system. It requires a great amount of blood and therefore an increase of food of the most nourishing quality to convert into blood. So here first of all, the food of the most nourishing quality should be eaten. It should be increased. It didn't say she increased the number of times she's eating. But the nourishing quality foods that are nourishing should be increased i continue the reading now it says unless she has an abundant supply of nutritious food she cannot retain her physical strength and her offspring is robbed of vitality that's one then the next thing is her clothing going on it says her clothing also demands attention care should be taken to protect the body from a sense of chilliness she should not call vitality unnecessarily to the surface to supply the want of sufficient clothing. If the mother is deprived of an abundance of wholesome, nutritious food, she will lack in the quality and quantity of blood. Her circulation will be poor and her child will lack in the very same things. There will be an inability in the offspring to appropriate food which it can convert into good blood to nourish the system. The prosperity of mother and child depends much upon good, warm clothing and a supply of nourishing food. The extra draft upon the vitality of the mother must be considered and provided for. So two things we just learned now. The clothing of the mother and the food should be nourishing. The clothing should be such as to allow proper circulation. How do you allow proper circulation with your clothes? Cover everywhere evenly in other words do not cover the chest and the stomach with more clothing than the legs and don't cover the chest and the stomach and leave the legs unclothed because it's normal biology that the blood flows from a region where it is hot to a region away from where it is cold so if the legs are exposed what happens the blood will focus and center around the chest where there is a lot of clothing and the laps also and this amount of blood being flowing so much in that area will cause a problem now there needs to be even circulation how do you uh, how do you uh, promote or achieve an even circulation of blood all around the body by wearing even amount of clothing especially on the legs because the legs are far away from the heart the womb where the child is the heart is close to it so it doesn't lack blood so we're not supposed to concentrated with so much clothing that it will now be having a lot of blood around it and then the child will now be so warm or hot 
and it will fever the child's blood. So what the woman should do at all times, not just when she's pregnant, is to wear clothing on the legs also. Cover the whole body, modest clothing by the way. That doesn't mean you go into cross-dressing, dressing like a man. You should dress with the gowns, good dresses down to the legs it doesn't mean that the woman can't wear something inside like a uh, leggings and socks and all of that no they can wear those things the reason for that is to allow blood to flow to the legs also away from the chest away from the womb so that it can go down the, the you can't you won't lack blood in the in the womb area because it's so close to the heart but the legs also need it so that's one thing we are learning again there's a popular notion that the woman should eat indiscriminately when she's pregnant. That is a bad advice. Continuing the reading, it says, But on the other hand, the idea that women, because of their special condition, may let the appetite run riot is a mistake based on custom but not on sound sense. The appetite of women in this condition may be variable, fitful and difficult to gratify, and custom allows her to have anything she may fancy without consulting reason as to whether such, such food can supply nutrition for her body and for the growth of her child. The food should be nutritious, but should not be of an exciting quality. Custom says that if she wants flesh meats, pickles, spiced foods or mean spice, let her have them. Appetite alone is to be consulted. This is a great mistake and does much harm. The harm cannot be estimated. If ever there is a need of simplicity of diet and special care as to the quality of food eating, it is in this important period. Women who possess principle and who are well instructed will not depart from simplicity of diet at this, at this time of all others. They will consider that another life is dependent on them and will be careful in all their habits and especially in diet. They should not eat that which is innutritious and exciting simply because it tastes good. There are too many counselors ready to persuade them to do things which reason would tell them that they ought not to do." End of quote. So these, we are just looking at nutrition here and how it affects the, ch the child. So the mother is to eat things that will give good blood to the child and will develop the immune system and give them the right nutrients, not things that will lay the foundation of diseases in them. If the mother is eating flesh meat which always has disease in them, then it will lay the foundation of disease in the child also. But if they are eating foods that are nutritious, then you are developing the immune system of the child also we'll see how it affects character very soon so these are things that we're talking about placenta that things flow from the placenta to the child now apart from the placenta the baby is also influenced by the mother's eating habits like we just seen and also her disposition anything at all she experiences like what she listens to what she watches the kind of discussion she's having and it affects the child. A very good example of this is what we read concerning Elizabeth and Mary. After Zacharias was appeared to and told that he was his wife was going to take in and she was pregnant, she did get pregnant and was five months in hiding. But later on, God, the Lord appeared to Mary also, which was the cousin of Elizabeth. And she also was told that she would be pregnant with a child, which was supposed to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when this happened in luke 1 verse 26 it says in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent from god unto a city of galilee named nazareth in verse 20 35 and 36 he then told mary and the angel said answered and said unto her the holy ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee in verse 36 he told her 
Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Verse 39 now, And Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass, that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of the Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Amen. So John the Baptist responded to what his mother heard and what he heard, what she heard affected him. Mothers, do you know that when you are listening to godly music, it affects your child? Do you know that when you are reading the word of God out loud, not in your mind now, read it out loud, it affects the child. When you sing the hymns, this child is hearing it already and is already developing it. I don't know why I like hymns so much and love songs. I notice that my mother likes them a lot. By precept and by example, she probably taught me that. And I, I, I know it affects children. Just as John the Baptist heard the voice of Mary and responded through his mother's ears, so it is that children also respond to what they hear. So do you want your child to be developed into that child who is to be set off that here are those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus? Maybe you shouldn't be giving them cartoons. Mothers, what are you watching when you are pregnant? You shouldn't be watching things that are ungodly. Listen to godly things. Listen to the word of God. Listen to music that is edifying and you'll be helping that child to develop. We've already seen how the mother's eating habits should be good. Then there's the other one, the sexual habits of the parents, not just the mother now, both parents. It affects the child and this one is very, very important and we should take note of it. Reading from Healthful Living, page 56, paragraph 1, we are told, The physical and mental condition of parents is perpetuated in their offspring. This is a matter that is not duly considered. Whenever the habits of the parents are contrary to physical law, the injury done to themselves will be repeated in future generations. Satan knows this very well, and he is perpetuating his work through transmission. Those who will indulge the animal passions and gratify lust will surely stamp upon their offspring the debasing practices, the grossness of their own physical and moral defilement. By physical, mental and moral culture, all become co-workers with Christ. Very much depends upon the parents. It lies with them whether they will bring into the world children who will prove to be a blessing or a curse." End of quote. So from what we got here, the debasing practices, if a mother and a father, while they are pregnant for a child or before, already are inflaming their lustful passions in sexual indulgence, sexual excesses, then the child will be born with the animal passions largely in their ascendancy. Reading now from Child Guidance, page 442, paragraph 1, it says, parents do not generally suspect that their children understand anything about this vice, that is the vice of self-abuse, masturbation. 
in very many cases the parents are the real sinners. They have abused their marriage privileges and by indulgence have strengthened their animal passions. And as these have strengthened, the moral and intellectual faculties have become weak. The spiritual has become overborne by the brutish. Children are born with the animal propensities largely developed, the parents' own stamp of character having been given to them." End of quote. So this is how the attitude of the parents in the marriage bed affects the child. If they are practicing things that are debasing, frequently engaging in sexual intercourse all the time and in ways that are just out of the ordinary, like we have studied things on this before when you read the book of Romans 1, going into sexual practices that are just abnormal. That is what it means to engage in lustful practices. Marriage is holy and the bed undefiled. The practices that should be involved in the marriage bed are not things that savour of animalism, things that will make the parents, two of them, to look as though they are animals, even worse than animals, because today many parents do things that even animals will not do, like anal sex and other debasing practices in sexual positions and all of that. These things are inflaming your blood with with um, sexual lustful tendencies, and it's that same blood that you are transmitting to the child. And like we just read, that the child children are born with animal propensities largely developed. Now, how will this affect the child? Reading from the same book, it says moral pollution has done more than every evil to cause the race to degenerate. It is practiced to an alarming extent and brings on disease of almost every description. Even very small children, infants being born with natural irritability of the sexual organs, take note, they are already born with it, find momentary relief in handling them which only increases the irritation and leads to a repetition of the act until a habit is established which increases with their growth. Parents, do you want children who will have self-control as far as sexual things go, then you should have self-control also. We have already seen that the working habits also of the woman is to be properly regulated. That's another thing that the mother should take note of. Councils on Diets and Foods, page 221, paragraph 1 says, The mother, in many cases previous to the birth of her children, is permitted to toil early and late, heating her blood. Her strength should have been tenderly cherished. Her burdens and cares are seldom lessened, and that period, which should be to her, of all times, a time of rest, is one of fatigue, sadness, and gloom. By too great exertion on her part, she deprives her offspring of that nutrition which nature has provided for it, and by heating her own blood, she imparts to it a bad quality of blood. The offspring is robbed of its vitality, robbed of physical and mental strength." End of quote. So these are some things that we should consider with respect to prenatal influences on the child and how to help them. The final thing we will look at is the end of it all, which is the most important, which is the character of the child. The character of the child is determined by what the mother does, yes. Reading from Councils on Diet and Food, page 218, paragraph 4, it says, Yes, every mother may understand her duty. She may know that the character of her children will depend vastly more upon her habits before their birth and her personal efforts after their birth than upon external advantages or disadvantages. Let her beware, the angel said. Let her stand prepared to resist temptation. Her appetites and passions are to be controlled by principle of every mother, it may be said, let her beware. There is something to shun. 
something for her to work against if she fulfills God's purpose for her in giving her a child. They may need to eat frequently, but later you will need to reduce the amount of time the child is eating and it won't be a difficult thing for that child who had a mother that was not indulgent when she was pregnant because they also were getting nutrients at regular basis. So the child will not be used to eating indiscriminately. It's very important that we know these things as we prepare both ourselves and our children to be those who the Lord will point to and say these are they that keep his commandments. Let us let us ask grace and help from God to make us instruments to be a blessing to the world with our own lives and that of our children. May we and our children be those of whom it shall be said, Here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, our simple prayer to you today is please give us grace to understand these things even more. Teach us how to bring up our children and both and ourselves too that we may fulfill your word that our children and ourselves may be among those of whom it shall be said of them here are those that keep the commandments of god and have the faith of jesus open our minds dear lord to understand these things even more there are many things that i may not have said i pray lord that you will teach us more about it that as we do our part you will also bless us and our children that they will be ordered according to the way of the lord Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.